0: There is a lot of pressure on people in this country, especially young people, to want to look good. They want to look like the beautiful people they see in the movies and in the ads. And they will often adopt extreme behaviors to do so. The result can be psychologically damaging and or physically dangerous. With me in studio to talk about it are Marissa Southards, creator of the Awakenings Project, which is focused on women empowerment through body positivity. Dale Chambers, founder of YiYo Arts Collective, which dedicates itself to women's art and topics surrounding women's issues. Dr. Jenna Boudreau is a psychologist and founder of Mind, Body, Soul Holistic Psychological Services. Thank you all so much for being with us. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank Jenna, you. I'd, I'd like to start with you. Um, is it fair to say that too much pressure is being put on young people today to look good?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was just talking about this the other day with um, some of my colleagues. You know, the fact that social media, there's so many filters now that everyday people can put on themselves. It's not just the celebrities that we're seeing, you know, in the media, on TV, um, in the magazines. It's now your next door neighbor. It's now your friend at school. You know, there is so much more pressure to look good for sure. And there's different ways to go about doing it now that just didn't even exist when I was in middle school.
0: That's what surprised me in getting ready for this discussion was, you know, I I assumed it was the ads and, 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 you know, the Mm -hmm. the slim models and all the rest Mm -hmm. of that and the movie stars and all the rest of it. But social media, once again, is having that tremendous impact on all of this. Definitely. Yeah. How are you looking at it?
2: You know, the way that I see it, when we scroll through social media, whether that be Instagram, whether it be Facebook, you know, we see all these influencers. We see these media accounts with massive followings, and it's really presenting a body image that may not be realistic, for um, you know the average midwestern girl so you tend to see a lot of body issues and self-esteem issues because you know we have these young women that are being impressioned upon that this is what they have to look like so there's a lot of pressure to do whatever it is that they need to do to look like that instead of just accepting who they are.
0: Dale when does it start?
3: It starts at birth. It starts when we first start to put the popular images into the psyche of our children, Mm -hmm. when we show them the magazines, when we scroll while our children are with us, Mm -hmm. even when we're in the grocery stores looking at other folks who are emulating what they've been influenced by. We're surrounded in culture by this issue right now.
0: But, you know, most of what we read and hear about it relates to women, to young girls and women. Uh... Why?
3: For me and my belief system, it's because we have such a strong consumer pool. So as soon as we begin to purchase and buy into it, then the powers that be tell us, oh, we're not good enough to ultimately get more money out of us.
0: Marissa, you see it the same way?
2: I absolutely see it the same way. There's. A level of societal conditioning, and a, a lot of it starts with consumerism. Um, we're pushed with these images that you'll be enough when you buy these cosmetics. You'll be enough when you wear this brand of clothing. This is this is when you'll absolutely be enough. It, it starts with consumerism, and you get the constant conditioning that you'll never be enough until you look like this and have these products. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, what kind of damage is being done psychologically through this kind of process? Is it possible to, to weigh that, to evaluate that?
1: Definitely. Um, I was actually doing some research in preparation for this, this interview today, and I was shocked. There was a study just done here in 2018 that showed that body image dissatisfaction was one of the biggest predictors of suicide attempts in young people. Body image, you know, not I was thinking, oh, well, surely depression, you know, I'm a psychologist and I'm reading this. Um, But there when they look at, you know, suicide notes, or they are looking um, and talking with young people about why did you do this? Body dissatisfaction was one of the leading reasons why.
0: Is it size? Is it uh, being overweight? What are they trying to achieve? A, a perfection of some sort?
1: Um, with women, we typically see in young women um, the thin ideal, internalization of the thin ideal, which is basically, you know, we're supposed to be thin, but also have a woman's body, and but also have the just about the right amount of muscle tone. With men, it's more so the muscular I- ideal is the term that's being adopted. Men want to be... Um, you know, I'm speaking in generalities, obviously, sure, sure. but um, men want that muscular, you know, that little zero body fat, but also a lot of um, definition, too.
0: Marissa, we've come a long way from the paintings of people like Rubens to to <laughs> models like Kate Moss, haven't we?
1: We've certainly
2: come a long way.
0: Yeah. Why this this demand to be thin? What, it, what is – is it just what we've been talking about with regard to the models that we see, the Kate Mosses of the world and the others?
2: I, I do feel that, you know, as a society, we want to emulate what we see. And in, in doing that, you know, if you go back generations, the types of models that we're seeing were definitely more – Curvaceous. There was a little bit more of a realistic approach, you know. When we look at some of the models and and kind of the messaging that we're given today through advertising, um, and through what we're seeing on social media, the ideal has changed, and in reaction to that, what we want to emulate has changed.
0: Now we're looking at plus size model, damn. And then what is what is that going to do? Is that going to create a permanent change? Is it going to create a positive change?
3: The great thing about consumerism is that it has to pull off the energy of the people who are supplying the um, consumerist uh, practices. So the more that we as people who have all body types begin to go out into the world and speak our truth as well as purchase related to what our needs are, that's going to make a shift for the general um com- uh, most of the general companies that are out giving these Uh, advertisements and sending the messages. So although the messages shift, we still have to be careful that we're not picking up the ideals of others. And so I am very excited about seeing more plus-size models. Me as a mother myself, I've been through all body types as a woman Mm
0: -hmm. and I've had to
3: (laughs) I've had to remember that I define myself for myself and that it starts in my mind and how I choose to live my life and what I consider healthiness to be.
0: Jenna Boudreaux, do you see this change happening?
3: I do.
1: Um, I do think that, um, you know, we are starting to realize that there's more than one type of body that can be attractive, Um, that it's not always women that um, are naturally or unnaturally thin. Um, But I do think we have a really long way to go, you know, as far as, um, especially us as women, picking each other up rather than, you know, bringing each other down, Um, not objectifying ourselves on the Internet, on social media, Um, I think we still have a bit of a ways.
0: I'm not quite sure how you accomplish that. It's one thing to talk about it. Uh, How how do you get this message out and how do you you, uh, connect with other people to get it out?
1: Well, I think some of the things that are being done with young women and young people in general that's really neat and the research is showing um, is promising is these social media literacy projects, you know, trying to help young people understand that what they're seeing on Facebook, Instagram, um, Snapchat is not necessarily reality. You know, um, that, you know, knowing that if you're comparing yourself to something that's not real, then that can have really detrimental consequences. And so um, also just the environments in schools, us as mothers, as parents, um, we really have a major impact on, on these kids, too.
0: What are you doing, Marissa, at the Awakenings Project to deal with this thing?
1: one of the things that has really
2: come out of the awakenings project you know which is just kind of a photographic journey of of women and and women identifying and our young girls as well is there's this space that they're really coming into that is safe and is judgment free And the Awakenings Project is allowing that space to really connect with who you are and to embrace everything that you are, whether that be physically, whether it be mentally, spiritually, you know, emotionally. Um, What happens is that there's this amazing sense of support. There's a community that's being built out of the Awakenings Project where we're actively committing to lifting each other up and being there instead of tearing each other down you know i've said a million times you know no one can tear a woman down better than another woman Mm. so um when people come into this space they're making an active decision to support and empower other women and girls to really break the social constructs of what people think women look like
0: so that goes a lot deeper than most people would think when the subject comes up oh for sure yeah what about you? What are you doing with your organization?
3: We definitely at Yale Arts Collective is dedicated to the creative empowerment of women and families. And sometimes that looks like calling out fat shaming and skinny shaming and also understanding that all of our identities has a place and a purpose for For us. And so that looks like Girls Create, our youth programming where we're talking about these issues, to intimate women's circles where we're talking about these issues that come up in our regular everyday life. We really focus around self awareness and personal development in a way that is unique because we're not responding to necessarily outside influences as much as we're responding to. What is it inside of us that's making us feel this way? What is it inside of us that can be uplifted and honored so that we don't have to feel like we're always combating popular culture in this way?
0: Yeah. We have a note here asking, are there any strategy, uh, strategies, that is, to suggest for going from a head knowledge of body acceptance to heart knowledge that you are just as beautiful, just, you are beautiful just as you are?
3: I have a few suggestions. Speaking the positive affirmations to ourselves, visualizing ourselves in a place where we are comfortable, surrounded by people that love us. These things might seem hokey when we read them on the Internet and when we hear them from our life coaches and things, but they make a world of difference. A lot of times when we're looking outside of ourselves, it's because we have been pushed and oppressed or frustrated at things and people who do not and will not ever look like us. So it's important for us to literally embrace who we are, massage our own bodies, physically touch ourselves, look at ourselves in the mirror, speak those things and feel those things that are real, because everything on social media, as was mentioned earlier, is not. And so once we disconnect from that and get more into who we are, we're able to accept and understand what is considered healthy for us. And if we're doing well, then we're doing well mentally, physically and spiritually, then some of these things will naturally cure itself.
0: Mm. Marissa, do you have any strategies that you'd uh, that come to mind?
2: You know one of the things that I always tell my participants, um, mm-hmm. especially before they step in front of the lens, is to really spend some time with you to spend some time looking at your decisions. are you playing an active role in your own life? Or are you letting life come at you? Are you making a conscious decision to actually dwell on all the negative feedback coming at you, especially about your body? Or are you celebrating all of the things that your body is capable of doing and what you have done? You know, um, especially as a mother myself, you know, I made people, you know, I think that's something to celebrate. You know, I may have been a little fat shamed when I was pregnant, but. I, I created an entire person that's like walking around on this planet. That's mm-hmm. something to celebrate. Um, you know, I always tell people celebrate the things that you know are good about you, acknowledge them, speak them into truth. You know, again, you know, like Dale said, daily affirmations. Yes, it sounds hokey, but it's really true. It really works. It
0: also sounds, Jenna, more difficult than it might appear.
1: Right. Um, And, you know, I've I've just been listening and I I think it's wonderful. I I would just want to be like, that's what what she said, what she said. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. But it is. It is difficult. And that's usually when people end up in my office, you know, is because the body image has turned into something more sinister, depression, anxiety. Um, And so I think self-compassion is huge. But yes, it does require rewriting a tape. That for some people is 50 Uh years old, you know, a tape that's been rolling in their heads for that long, that it takes some time to rewrite, you know, those scripts that we're telling
0: ourselves. But how do you do that with a a 10-year-old or a 14-year-old? How do you convince them to hit the reset button?
1: Well, what's great about 10 and 14-year-olds is that their brains are a little bit more malleable. You know, Um, like, and and that's not to, you know, everybody can to. it's never too late to change. But with a 10 to 14 year old, um, they are naturally lovers of learning. You know, um, they are resilient. Kids are so resilient, you know. So a lot of it is not only meeting with them and teaching them what self-compassion is and mindfulness-based techniques, but also arguing with any voices that come into their heads that say you're not enough, you know, to argue back with those voices. Sometimes we can give them a name. But I think... More importantly, it's getting mom and dad on board. It's getting, if we can, a a, a systemic approach with school on board. You know, that's where kids spend the majority of their times. Um, So, but I would say mom and dad really have to be a part of this, you know, because they're hearing mom and dad fat shaming in the house. Um, They're hearing, you know, don't eat that. That's not good for you. You know, that's, oh, I was so bad at lunch. You know, things like that, that it's really hard to not include them.
0: Well, that, uh, Marissa, brings us to one of the big problems in all of this, and that is anorexia and bulimia and uh, the, the youngsters in particular, and, and often not youngsters, older people, <laughs> who are trying to, uh, to change their image through this method. What strategies for that?
2: You know, again, you know, to, to build on, you know, what Jenna said, there is a level of self-compassion. Um, and some of that starts with just simple awareness um, I've actually, you know, had the honor to photograph um, several recovering women um, recovering from eating disorders, and they struggled so much actually getting in front of the lens because of that body image issue, um, you know, but they're actively involved. Again, they're active participants in their life, and they're doing the work. They're trying to practice more compassion. They know their resources. You know, there are so many resources out here that are free, You know, and having that support system in place and knowing when to reach out for help. You know, we do see, you know, young women that, you know, they're trying to emulate what they're seeing, that which, again, we know is not real. Um, But having those conversations, even with our young people, about this is what the dangers Mm -hmm. are, you know, be fact-based. You know, again, young people, they're little sponges for learning. You know, I've had the conversations with my own daughters. My oldest daughter is almost 10. So we're coming into a very impressionable time with her. We've had that conversation. You know, these are the risks. You need to understand that this is not real. If we identify these patterns, if I see these things happening in my home, I'm going to ask what the problem is and get the resources for that because I I don't want my household to be at danger for that because of something that they're trying to emulate
0: knowing when to reach out, though, and how to reach out. uh, That's got to be, Dale, it's got to be particularly difficult for a young person who's going through, we'll get to the doctor in a moment on this, Mm -hmm. going through some sort of psychological and anxiety problem that, you know, it may be difficult for them to know that it's time to reach out.
3: That's true. I want to take a step back and um, speak to that the dominant Image that we see in this society is not the cultural norm of the world. And when we open ourselves up to look at different ethnicities, different types of folks, we'll see a beautiful myriad of womanhood and femininity that uh, is not being displayed in popular culture. And so, starting there and recentering ourselves with our unique stories is very important. Now, to answer your question specifically about being an adult and working with the youth who may or may not feel comfortable with reaching out, it's important for us to listen, to listen to the young people and to catch those little nuances uh, that might come out in the midst of their behavior or their conversation and uplift them from where they're at so that you have a trusting relationship with the young people in your life so that they feel comfortable to come to you when they're ready, Mm -hmm. to not pressure or push them into admitting something that Mm -hmm. they may not even have a full understanding or picture of. But if we listen closely, we'll find that a lot of times the young people may have the problems and also the solutions. Mm
0: It would seem to me, Jenna, though, that, that a young person who's going through an eating disorder situation w- would be at the, at the bottom of the spectrum, and that would be the most difficult time to reach out.
1: Well, um, usually there's warning signs, though. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can catch it early, we could potentially prevent you know um, it from turning into a full-on disorder. But it
0: would have to be somebody else that could see this, this the Mm -hmm. shape, the thin. Yes,
1: but not always, um, because with bulimia, you don't. You know, um, actually, people with bulimia tend to be average weight, if not even a little overweight. So nobody Mm. knows what's going on. Anorexia, you're right. I mean, we can look at me and say, ooh, you know, something's going on there. But um, usually you can have a full-blown disorder and nobody even knows, you know. So um, as parents, it is really important for us to know our children, to be able to have that open, honest dialogue with them, to notice behavioral changes, because like I said, there's usually warning signs before somebody is seriously underweight.
0: You know, um, don't misunderstand me when I say this, but um, young women, girls, teenage mm-hmm. girls, are sometimes difficult to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> you, yes, may, you may have heard you were, that term along the yes, line. Yes, I'm it's, not looking and, forward to that. No, well,
1: <laughs> with my own, own daughters, but it, it, you're right. They are, and they and teenage uh, adolescence is a very secretive time. Yeah, exactly. You know, yes, they do tend to confide in their friends. They confide on the internet, everyone else but mom and dad. Um, However, there are usually things that you can notice as a parent, you know, that something's not right with your child. You know, you're starting to see the grades slip. You're starting to see, you know, not as much interest in the things they used to enjoy. Um, You know, you're, you're starting to see irritability. They're acting weird at dinner or they are just... Avoiding dinner altogether, making up excuses—they have frequent tummy aches. Lots of things that you can pick up on if you know
3: what to look for.
0: Dale, do you have a strategy for dealing with an eighth-grade girl?
3: <laughs> well, my daughter was in eighth grade. I oh, didn't. Know, she's in the eighth grade. She's no longer. She's 15 now, uh-huh. and it was very difficult during that time frame because the images come in so quickly. Yeah. It was important for me to spend intimate time with my daughter outside of malls, outside of the trending uh, shopping areas, and go to nature and spend times just really listening to her and talking to her. If I had to stop talking to her and went into the books, I would have lost her. So keeping that connection, letting her be free to be a child without putting adult pressures on her and allowing her to play in the way that she felt appropriate for her was very important for her body image now that she's more developed and more mature. She's comfortable going in and out of knowing that she may seem more mature but also knowing what her age is and that there's so many people that are her age that look so many different ways we've traveled we've had conversations she's wrote papers about this and I'm really proud of where she's gone with um her own insecurities and she's used those as a platform to speak to other young people and she's wrote a book about it
0: she 's lucky to have such an attentive mom too that 's for sure <laughs> Marissa, How about you? How do you deal with the eighth grade girl which I think is probably a key age for what we 're yeah. talking about yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, I do feel to really you know it 's a really critical age um, and as a parent, you know especially as i 'm moving into this stage of development with my own daughters. You know, I I do think, you know, to, to build on what Dale said, having that intimate time and also letting your child know that it's judgment free, that they're safe, that they're protected, that they're loved, that they're cared for, that they're cherished, because you have to have that intimate and trusting relationship to ensure that your daughters know that they're comfortable and safe you know, that nothing's going to happen to them, like nothing, you know, there's no judgment. And um, I definitely feel that having that dedicated time is really critical as you move into these, you know, early and later teenage years, you know, like what Dale said, away from whatever's trending, away from the friends, away from the sleepovers, the malls, you know, get away from that and have that one-on-one judgment-free time to just build a relationship and be trusting with
1: each other.
0: Jenna, we've only got about 30 seconds left of final thought.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so my, you know, I'm listening to this, and something I do want to point out is that this starts with us as parents. You know, we can't tell our children to do something that we're not doing ourselves. So if we're fat-shaming ourselves, if we're talking nasty about our bodies, if we're, you know, if we're not getting help, if we're not practicing self-compassion, they're not going to either. So it's very important to start with you.
0: I want to thank you all, Jenna Boudreaux, for being with us and talking about it. It's an important subject. Dale Chambers, thank you so much for being with us. You're a good mom, I can tell by the way you talk. <laughs> <laughs> and Marissa Southards, thank you as well for being with us. A thank good, you. Good luck thank to you. all of you. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs are available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.